Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 this morning. The book of Acts chapter 2. What's a church to do? We recently got back from our mission trip to Thailand. And one of the things that we got to do there was distribute Bibles to Chinese tourists who came over from China to Thailand. And we gave them a Bible and a packet of information that they could take home with them. And one of the things that the teams get to do is do lobby distribution in the hotel they're staying in. So this hotel where we were staying, we were to get up at 6.30 in the morning, I think, that morning. Was it 6.30? It was pretty early. I was not ready to get up. I remember that. So that we could meet these Chinese tourists as they came out of the breakfast buffet to get on the buses and we were going to give them a Bible. Well, we got down there and they said, there will be someone there to show you what to do. So we show up down there in the lobby early in the morning and our plan was to pass out Bibles, to spread the good news to the Chinese. And we really didn't know where to start, what to do. And they said, there'll be somebody there to help you. An interpreter will be there. Well, he shows up and bless his heart, his English wasn't, wasn't as clear as we'd hoped it would be. Love the guy. But Enoch showed up and we're expecting him to give us all these detailed instructions. And he opens up some boxes and goes over to the the concierge desk and piles all our Bibles up there and puts up a sign and says, here we go. And we're like, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be here? Are we supposed to be there? What's permitted? And the manager of the hotel is over there looking at us like this. We're doing something wrong. I I just thought about that as I was looking at the text for this this sermon this morning. That there we are with, with full intent of passing out the word of God to people who need to know Jesus. Yet we really don't even know what we're supposed to do. So we're going to look at the Word of God today as a church and see as a church. And I'm going to make the assumption that you're here this morning and it is your desire to not only know Him, to grow in relationship with Him, but to share Jesus Christ with others. And you would say, what are we supposed to do? So just like us standing in that lobby with that interpreter asking, what are we supposed to do? We're ready. We're motivated. Let's look at God's Word. Acts chapter 2. You there? Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many signs and wonders were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. And every day... They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord added to them those who were being saved. That is a description of the first church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts as the church is birthed The Holy Spirit came to live within the church at Pentecost and they meet together daily. And here's a description of what took place in that church. I can't think of a better place to go at the first of the year when we're going to ask the question as we go through this year, 2010, what are we to do as a church to go back and rehearse the truths that the first church had accepted and lived by? Number one, what's the church to do? We are to have a single-minded commitment to a certain course of action. A single-minded commitment to the course of action, to our calling. Look with me at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to these things. A single-minded commitment 
to these things. We're going to talk about what those things are. He talks about prayer and fellowship and, and, the, and the breaking of the bread and, and teaching the word of God. They had a single-minded commitment to what God had called them to do. Can you say that about yourself and your Christian walk? Do you have a single-minded commitment to live in obedience to the word of God? If you haven't yet, this could be the year for you. Can we say that as a church? That as a church, we have a focus. And our focus is to reach people for Christ. I've taught that for years. I've been a pastor for over 20 years. And every time somebody says, what's the purpose of the church? I tell them that's the purpose of the church is to reach lost people for Christ. Jesus said, said, I, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why did Jesus come? Came to save the lost. Well, I thought he came to, to feed the hungry and to heal the sick and to raise the dead. Well, he did all that. But the purpose he came for was to seek and to save those who were lost. That is the purpose of this church. That is the purpose of the church. Do we as a church have a single-minded commitment? That's what we're all about. We're not just here to have fun. We're not just here to sing some great songs. We're not just here to have a holy huddle and fill ourselves up with information about the Bible and to study when Jesus may come back. We're here so that we can be equipped and sent out to lead other people to Christ. A single-minded commitment to that. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. I have not come to torment your, your natural self, but to kill it. No half measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here and there and a branch there. I want to have the whole tree cut down. I don't want to drill the tooth or to crown it or to stop it, but to have it out. Hand over the whole natural self, all the desires which you think are innocent, as well as the ones you think are wicked. The whole outfit. I will give you a new self instead. In fact, I will give you myself. My own will shall become yours. I like that. I like that. Here's what Lewis says the commitment of the individual believer is. God, I want you to have it all. That's a single-minded commitment. As a church, that's what we're to be. We're to say, Lord Jesus, you are Lord of this church. I'm the pastor. I'm the under-shepherd and overseer. That's it. Jesus Christ is head of this church. And our mandate is to be focused on him, to know him, and to make him known. We've bowled our mission statement down to three statements. To love God, to connect with others, and to reach our world. But all of that is so that we can reach lost people for Christ. Single-minded commitment, driven. I love the, the testimony or the, the, the uh, story of the man who wrote the Lonesome Dove series. And he, he, uh, his father grew up in West Texas or East Texas. And he tells the story of his dad never leaving that community in East Texas. And he said, my dad stayed there and I traveled the world. And, and as he looked at the later years of his dad's life, this, in his life, he said, comparing my own travels around the world with my dad's localized life. He said, I've looked at many places quickly, but my father looked at one place deeply. I like that. See, we may do a lot of things around here, and we do. And it seems to be my job here to keep us from doing too much. People have so many ideas. See, I came from a church where I was pushing all the time. 
Come on, we can do it. We need to do this. I got to this church and it's like I'm saying, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, hold on. We have a lot of great things going on. We have a lot that we would like to do. But the one purpose it all has to filter down to is we're here to reach people for Christ. Single-minded commitment to that. And by doing that, we will do number two, just like the early church did. We will emphasize the essentials. Emphasize the essentials. What are those essentials? Well, just look at the text again. And they, verse 42 again, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Those were the things that they devoted themselves to. So let's just break that down. Emphasize the essentials. What are they? Letter A, teaching the word of God. Teaching the word of God. The text says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Some say, some translations say, to the apostles' doctrine. That was the truth of the word of God as delivered to the apostles. It it took into account the Old Testament and the truths that they'd been given by Jesus Christ. And they communicated those. Teaching the word of God. That has to be the priority of a worship service. It has to be the priority of a small group. It has to be the priority of a connection class, which is what we call our Sunday morning classes. To teach the word of God. We talked about it in my class this morning. It's not about my opinion. It's what I think. That may be good. I'm pretty impressed with my opinion sometime. I, I really am. And I could probably fill the rest of this only 20 minutes left. Is that right? I could fill the rest of this 20 minutes with my opinion. And that's okay. And it might be good and it might be helpful. But the key is that we want to go to the Word of God. One of our, our guests walked up this morning uh, introduced me, introduced themselves to me and said, they want to know, do we, do we teach the Bible here? I said, you bet. From cover to cover. I didn't tell them that, but that's what we try to do. Somebody said, from Genesis to maps, right? That's what we're going to teach here. <laughs> Emphasize the teaching of the Word of God. Now, as a church, we are not ever going to be as strong as a church in the Word of God corporately as we are individually. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I I can preach it and I can shout it. I could pound on the pulpit. And I could stomp my feet. And I could be as accurate and as driven and as, as, as clear as I need to be. But if the people in the pew or in the blue and gray chairs aren't in the word themselves, we're not going to be the church we need to be. How are you doing in your study of the word of God? So, Pastor, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not either. I don't know all the details of archaeology. I don't either. But I know this. In my Christian life, since coming to know Christ as a teenager, from the first day until now, I've been open to learn. And I've said, God, here I am. Teach me something today. Start with the basics. There's some Bible reading guides out there in the foyer. We've got one basic one. Some of you really want to take on the challenge and read through the whole Bible this year. There's a guide out there. I think it's green. I'm not sure. There's another one out there that's gold or yellow. It takes you through just the key passages of the Bible. It's kind of a chronological overview. You might say, it takes 180 days to do that. You might say, this year, I'm going to take this year to do that, to get in the Word of God. What about a, 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 a devotional that you could get a handle on? Maybe something like Our Daily Bread 
Uh, I'm going to get Andy to put these links on the website. I think he can do it for me. Uh, the Our Daily Bread is a great source. Strength for the Journey. Uh, Ron Hutchcraft has a deal, a word with you. I, I, I look at those all the time. Just something daily that could come to your computer. You know, uh, man, you're so eager to find that email every day. Wouldn't it be great if you just opened it up and there was a word, a word of encouragement to get you in the word? Teaching the word of God. We're going to keep doing that here. If you're not plugged into a connection class on Sunday morning, I, I invite you to do that at 945-ish. I had to say that because my class is always ish. I learned a long time ago, man, I was, we're going to start right now because this is when we're supposed to start, that I was cutting off some of that sweet fellowship that the people wanted to have. So I kind of let them fudge a little bit. So we started 945-ish around here. Plugged into a grace group. There's another place to learn the word of God. Take notes when the preacher preaches. Check me out. Make sure I'm doing it right. Get in the word. Second essential we need to emphasize is fellowship. Fellowship. It's what they did. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, we are affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. We are a Baptist congregation. And we know how to fellowship. In fact, we have made it a verb. Come on over. I want to fellowship with you. Let's go fellowship some. We love to have fellowship. Fellowship is more than just eating. However, did you notice they ate? Did y'all pick up on that? Yeah, they ate their food with gladness. It's more than just getting together to eat. It's more than just shaking hands. It's intimacy. It's getting to know another person, their needs, their struggles. It's being there to pray for them and encourage them. Our grace groups are designed to be that place of connecting, that place where you can... You can have fellowship with other believers. I think in the, the, the side of your program there, the grace groups, where they meet and when they meet are listed. If you're not plugged into one of those, maybe this would be the year where you could get plugged in. Fellowship. What's the other essential? Teaching the word, fellowship, and prayer. That's what the Bible says they did. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread. And I left breaking of bread out because that's part of fellowship for them. Even though I'd like to preach on that breaking bread part. Man, did we get the homemade baked stuff this Christmas. Can you tell? I've eaten more sweet stuff and good homemade bread. Man. Well, they did that too, but I'd skip that part. Let's talk about prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. They didn't just pray. They devoted themselves to it. This is a praying church. I'm so glad that when 15-something years ago, when Kelly and I stepped on this property, we found a praying church in those days. They started every Sunday morning with prayer. They believed in prayer. Prayer permeated this church. And it has just grown that way through these years. We have a prayer ministry. Dick and Edie Martin lead us in that. This is a praying church. Their, their goal is to move us from a praying church to being a house of prayer. That's what they want us to be. Where prayer permeates everything we do. We just don't do it. It is a part of who we are. We've done, we did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. We're going to have a focus week. We're going to call it the 714 focus week of prayer again. Based on 2 Chronicles 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. 714. Did I get that verse right? Did I? At least Jim thinks I did, so that's good. 
We're going to take that week and we're going to cancel all our evening activities. We'll meet here on Sunday night for a time of, of prayer, a time of confession, a time of repentance, a time of, of worship. And then Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, we're going to pray. We come together, we pray for our ministries, we pray for our community, we pray for our nation. We pray in small groups, we pray in a big group, we pray as individuals, we prayer walk. We walk this facility, we go to classrooms and we pray. We're going to pray over every ministry this church has. So I invite you, it's the 17th, is that when we start? Does anybody know the date? In a couple of weeks, okay? Not next Sunday, but we'll kick it off the next Sunday. Prayer, teaching the word. Fellowship, prayer. The third thing they did, and we will do, we will acknowledge the activity of God in our midst. Acknowledge the activity of God in our midst. Look at verse 43. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Let's just talk about that word fear. That doesn't mean they were afraid of God like you would say, I'm afraid he's going to get me. That is to be in awe of God. That, that fear in the Bible means a reverential awe. That's acknowledging God's up to something here. Several times in the last month, we've had people walk the aisle at the invitation time and give their heart to Christ. We don't ever need to lose the awe of that moment. We don't ever want to say, well, that was great that that happened. Oh, well, let's move on. I'm going to go eat lunch. Can we get out of here? Who's closing us in this thing so we can move on? It is to be a moment where we say, God, you're doing something here. Folks, don't ever take that for granted. My father-in-law pastor used to say, some of the churches are so cold you can ice skate down the aisles. Nobody getting saved. No lives being changed. No families being healed. No, no relationships being made, being made right. I thank God for this church. Let's don't lose the awe and wonder. And let's not miss the activity of God. In our midst as he brings people into the kingdom. They come to know him and trust him. One of my favorite characters from history is Teddy Roosevelt. And he would get dignitaries in. Diplomats from other places. And and after they do their business, they'd be at the White House. He'd take him out on the back lawn. And he'd just stand there and he'd stare up at the stars. Just, Just be real quiet. Just look up at the stars. And eventually he'd get everybody's attention and they'd all be looking up there too. And he'd just be quiet and just stand there. And after a while he'd say, gentlemen, now that we know how small we are, we can go to bed. Now that we know in the big scheme of things how big God is and how little we are, we've got it in perspective. See, there was a man who knew the handiwork of God. Let's don't miss that. Let's be in awe of who God is and what he does. Don't ever take it for granted when God works in our midst. Number four, this church did this and we will do this. We will meet the needs of people. Meet the needs of people. Look at verse 44 and 45. Now all the believers were together and had everything in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. They met needs. I read about a a couple in Michigan a couple of years ago got married and, and invited all their wedding guests instead of having a wedding banquet like is the big deal now. When I got married, we didn't do that. When I got married, we walked through the fellowship hall in the church and we had punch and cake and that was it. Now, man, it's a big sit-down feast most places or big buffet. This, this, 
this couple said, let's don't do that. Instead, they invited all of their wedding guests to take the food that they would have eaten and they went and distributed it to some needy families in their community. I don't know, that, that's a good way to do it. What that couple said is, there are too many needs out there for us to be extravagant. Now, I'm not saying don't be extravagant, okay? Especially if you invite me. I like that. And some of you folks know how to do it. They met the needs of people. Our church is involved in community table. It meets over at the Presbyterian Church every Tuesday night, and we take it every other month. Help me. On the even months we have it, our church goes and we provide the food. And, and it initially was started to feed the homeless, but anyone's welcome. People who have need come. We're doing that. We're meeting the needs of people. Constantly, this church is meeting the needs of the members. Constantly, I'm hearing stories about this person was in need and somebody sold something or somebody gave something or someone shared something. We have families in our church who bring people in who are struggling and help them get back on their feet. This church meets the needs of people. We're going to keep doing that this year. Number five. The fifth thing they did and the thing we will continue to do. They maintained a daily, consistent walk with Christ. Again, this is one of those individual things that becomes a corporate thing. Maintain a daily, consistent walk with Christ. Look at verse 46. And every day they devoted themselves. There's that devoted word again. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This meant that they gathered together and had intimate fellowship with one another in the temple because that's where they met as Jews and that's where they continued to gather for worship, but they met in the houses. It was a daily thing. Their faith was not a Sunday morning kind of faith. Initially a Saturday kind of faith because they were Jews. It was not a Sunday morning kind of faith where where they met one day a week and that carried them to the next. I don't know how you get by just meeting on Sunday morning and not having fellowship with other believers during the week without having a time of where you study the word or have a time where you have fellowship with other believers in prayer. I just don't know how you get by. Maybe this could be the year where you'd say, Lord, I'm not going to try to get by from Sunday to Sunday. It's going to be a daily thing with me. I'm going to be in the word daily. I'm going to be in fellowship with other believers. A daily, consistent walk with Christ. That's important. Again, we'll put some tools on the website to help you with that. The deals are out there in the foyer to help you with that. You need some accountability. Bring some people around you who can sharpen you and, and help you understand when you're out of line or encourage you when you're in line. That's how you may remain consistent. That's how you, you remain steady. It's interesting that the Christian life, in some places, it's, it's likened to a marathon but mostly the metaphor that's used is the walk. The old King James was, let your conversation, that's just your walk. It was more than just what you said, but it's a walk. It's not a sprint. I could sprint for a while. I could probably be the fastest person for six, eight steps. Christian walk is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You walk. You walk. Once, how do you walk? You put one foot in front of the other. You let God work in your life today where He is, what He's doing. You respond to Him by faith. Consistent daily walk. Number six. And I love this part. This is what they did, and I love it when we get to do it. Watch the outside world take notice of the quality of life inside the church. When we are doing those things... 
When we are faithful to the Word of God, to fellowship and to prayer, when we're consistent in our daily walk, when we make the main thing the main thing, when we're walking in obedience as a church, the outside world, the people you live with during the week that aren't here right now, will take notice of what God's doing here. They'll take notice of the quality of the life of a church of believers. Look with me at verse 47. The Bible says the church was praising God and having favor with all the people. Just stop right there with that. Having favor with all the people. Ed Dobson said, We gain a hearing with a secular audience when we don't confuse essentials with non-essentials. See, the world out there is not interested in a lot of our theology. They're not interested in a lot of our practices. They're not interested in our denomination. They're not interested in what we wear. They're not interested in our structure of our church. They just want to know, is there a difference in our life that they don't have that would make them hungry? Okay, no. I'll apologize before I share this illustration, okay? Because I know this is going to really get some of you stirred up. When I drive by the barbecue shack on Sunday morning, I smell that barbecue. Man, it smells good. You know what it makes me want? Barbecue. Now, some of you are upset because now you're going to think about barbecue. I apologize ahead of time, remember? Whoever thought of that did a good thing. Let's just let that smoke go all the time. That's the best commercial we could have for our barbecue. And it says, you want what we've got. The Bible says that we are a sweet aroma. Believers, the the, the sacrifice of our lives is an aroma that goes up. Unbelievers can see that and they want what we have. When we as a church live what we talk about consistently, daily, the people in this community are going to go, What have they got over there? How can I get me some of that? You know, I've never been to eat barbecue before, but I just might walk inside that barbecue shack and get some. Did y'all follow that metaphor? Did you get it? Some of you didn't. I know you didn't because of the way you're looking at me. The outside world will take note of what's going on in here. And listen, this is what's so great. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but it goes with this next point. When the outside world takes note of the quality of life inside the church, we don't have to work at getting the word to them. You know why? They'll be beating the doors down. They will be coming by droves to get what we've got. And what do we have? We have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he is alive and well. And he's living, he's transforming our lives. And if we will live that way, They'll be attracted to him, not us. And we'll get to our last point, which says, at that point, we allow God to keep growing his church. Look at verse 47. Allow God to keep growing his church. Verse 47. And every day the Lord added to them those who are being saved. We will allow God to keep growing his church. Do you you hear that? It is not a matter of what can we do to bring people to Christ so that this church will grow. It is a matter of, Lord, how can we get out of the way 
and just be who we need to be so that you can bring unbelievers into the kingdom. Our missionary friends in Thailand, Kevin and Michelle Kennedy, told us about, we got it in an email first and then we heard the full story when we got there, about a Buddhist man, a businessman who had a business with about a thousand, a hundred employees. He came to know Christ. And when he came to know Christ, God got a hold of his life, which is the way it ought to be. And it permeated, the life of Christ permeated this man's life. Now, you need to understand in Thailand, there are shrines everywhere. Let's just put that first slide up there, Cindy, if you would. Like this, that is a very common sight in the country. It's a very common sight on the street corner. It's a common sight everywhere. People build these shrines that the Buddhists worship. It just, it's just what they do everywhere. They're everywhere. This man had this shrine at his business. Now, I want you to look what he did. This new believer in Christ. Leave it right there. He didn't do it secretly. He didn't just sort of change his life a little bit and say, okay, I'm going to leave that shrine there because all hundred of my employees are Buddhists. They're going to need that. He said, the Lord Jesus Christ has a hold of my life and it is wrong for anything else to take that place in my life. And he called a bunch of folks together and they had, they've even got on video. And they destroyed that Buddhist shrine. Now listen, did you get my last two points? The outside world will take notice when they see us living like this. Now, yeah, he could have decided not to bow down to that shrine like he used to do. And maybe they would get the message. He, he could have decided, I'll tell all my employees that I'd rather them not do that. But it's okay with them because I'm going to be tolerant of their religion. But he didn't do that. He said, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life now. There's no room for that stuff anymore. He tore it down. And he's lost some employees over it. He's caught flack over it. But he took a stand. And the outside world took note. And because of that, God is bringing people into the kingdom. That's the kind of life he's called us to. That's the kind of church he wants us to be. Sold out. Holding nothing back. Surrendered. Completely. A single-minded commitment. Where are you today? I know where I want us to be. I believe I know where God wants us to be. What do you say we do it this year? To say, Lord, here we are. Have your way and your will with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God that is, that is truth. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. And Lord, as we looked at the early church this morning, the truth is clear. You desire us as a church to be sold out for you. May we be that kind of church. God, during this time of commitment, I pray that you would have your will with us as you've spoken to hearts. 
to Christians, to believers, to followers of Christ, as you've spoken to those who are searching, who've never received you by faith, and you're stirring their hearts, Lord, I pray that during this time of commitment, you would have your way with us. And we come before you, asking you to take us as we are, do a work in us that you and you alone would be the one who's worthy of all our affection. Have your way with us during this time. It's in Jesus' name.